Welcome to Real Herbalism Radio, show 215, recorded at River Road Studios in Eugene, Oregon. This show was made possible in part by the support of the Herbal Nerd Society. If you'd like to join the Herbal Nerd Society, go to thepracticalherbalist.com, click on the Join the Herbal Nerd Society link in the upper left-hand corner, follow directions, and you would be set. Now, now on with the show. Oh, <laughs> hey. I was going to get that. So... On with the show. I'm Candace Hunter. And I'm Patrick Hunter. And, and welcome, welcome to, to Real Herbalism Radio. Patrick? What? I want to be garden. I wanted to be garden too. I want to be garden so bad. I, what? Why are we doing a bee garden right now? We could be doing a bee garden right, right now. now. Why are we not doing a bee garden right now? Oh, because uh, it's raining and we've had inches and inches of rain for the last, you know, okay. months. I've got a plan. Okay, what's your plan? My plan is this. We need to put in an arbor to go over our front gate because the gate opens. It's like hard to keep it closed properly now. Yeah. So I was going to build a second gate and an arbor over it, and we're going to begin there with some bee-friendly plants. Oh. And then we'll continue along the front fence, and we have the big, what I've been calling the big, ugly blue flower bushes which are big, ugly flower bushes, but the bees love them. And so they've managed to survive the last five years because over the last five years I've been planning or thinking about taking them out like every single year. But then the bees come and I say, no, I, I can't take them out yet. So right now all of our grapevines are on top of the big, ugly blue bushes. Yes, they are. And I have to trim them back anyway. So I'm thinking this might be the best year to actually take them out and put in the trellis for the bees or for the grapes and under said trellis put in some new bee friendly plants. I like this idea. How do you like this idea? I think it's a good start. I mean the front and yard then, needs to be then revitalized. We continue. We've got the elderberry. We can we could get more elderberry. We could extend our elderberry reach. Is elderberry a good bee plant? Yes it is. She said so. Don said so. Don said so. Don said so. I see. So anything that Don says for the garden is is too good. Works for me. Okay. I think, you know, for me it was always, and we mentioned this in the, God, probably a year or two ago when we talked about this, other other bee stuff, as I wanted to get away from, you know, mowing the lawn and and this, that that incessant lawn care, which is such a... uh, Man, it's such a burden. I have got the perfect packet of seeds for you. Oh, there's a seed packet? There is a honeybee lover's seed collection available in the New Year's, the new this this New Year's, the new seed catalog for strictly medicinal seeds. Oh. And I was thinking, well, if we were to start, we could get a couple. We could get like get that and get to get that started. It comes with seeds for bee balm and comfrey and mullen, hyssop, pleurisy root, sage, tulsi, and something called Viker's bug gloss, which I don't really know what it is, but it sounds like it'll be fun. And we could plant these in the middle of the yard where there's all that grass mm-hmm. and just slowly let them take over the whole yard. Oh, I'm not against that. I think the interesting part I like about it is um, not only is it a benefit to the bees and bees in general, but it's also a benefit to us yeah. because of the mullen and the, you know, all the other 
sage and all those other herbs you were talking about, you know, we use those for medicinal purposes. We use those for cooking. We use those for other things, uh, which is much more value than proposition than just green grass, which doesn't do anything other than, you know, feed our goose. We could also pull some of the peppermint. We have a little bit of peppermint that survived between the roses and the fence where we have the rue plant. I could take that out and put that in the middle of the lawn too. I bet you it would be much happier there. It, it's possible. <laughs> you know, you're looking at me like I'm, I, I wouldn't yeah. want to do any of this. I'm fine with all of it. I, what I'd rather do is, is I, I, we're in this mix of hybrid where we're trying to get the yard to be more natural, if you will, our, our, our area or our land. And, and still having this other part of the lawn, which we have to mow and do things. And, and, and neither one of them look great. Right. So people are like, well, what, are you going to have grass? Are you going to have this? Are you going to, I mean, you know. Do you know the, what you're doing? Yeah, we're, I think, <laughs> yeah, our house is kind of pegged as the red-head, red-headed stepchild of the of the block. But It's not red-headed stepchild. We're the hippies. <laughs> <laughs> and for our area, we're not that hippie. We're not very hippie, but. No. But our yard is a mess, and I have ideas for changing that, and I decided to begin in the back where it's a little bit smaller, more contained, so it's not as overwhelming. Yeah, we do have a patch in the back um, that would work perfect for that kind of thing. Yeah, Um, the ducks have probably destroyed the sod that I put down last year. Oh, it's not probable. They did. Yeah. Oh, that's that's gone. But I'm going to reseed all of it. It'll be fine. Yeah, again, and have to like block off our yard and do all these uh, things. Every summer there will be the like fencing (laughs) to block off all of the. (laughs) I mean, it's just unbelievable. You get a little bit of water and they destroy. Yes, they do. Uh, Uh, But yeah, one of the challenges I've had is that trying to redo the structures back there. Um, We pulled out the irises, we put in the new arbor, which is going to have passion flower on it, which should be bee friendly. Right. And hops, I think, is bee friendly. You know, I, I I could redo the hops. I don't need hops. We don't need hops. I mean, we like them because they grow quickly, and they, you know, I like the scent of them. But, but you know, I don't, I don't really recall bees hanging out. I mean, there's a lot of pollen on hops, but I, no. I, I, I can't remember. You know, I'm thinking I'll put in runner beans instead. I don't care what Finn has to say. Oh, he's only <laughs> gonna be a couple terrible. more years anyway. So right, this this is the this part of the arbor is right behind or is right around my son's window. This the part with the passion flower goes around my window, and then he wanted hops on his. And while I'm not in absolute disagreement on that, we have hops in the front yard, and I don't know that well, I need more hops. I think though we'll probably get rid of those hops as we you know or as we start doing this redo because, where are they going to go? I mean, you're not going to be on the trellis because you're going to make grapes there. So they don't have a place to be. And and, and to be fair, they don't really do very, to be fair, they don't, they don't be very well. We don't. Um, yeah. They, they get, they survive. We have, we've had a couple. We've had a couple of really good hop harvests. Last year was not great. No. And the one before that was good, but you know, and for us, you know, we, we're not really brewing or or making beer or any of that kind of stuff right now. And and if we did, we have a lot of frozen hops already. Yeah, we do. And those hops are okay. They're just not a, they're not a very strong bittering hop, if that's what we're using them for. Now, if you need them for, you know, being a sedative and and calming it down, then they they work great. But yeah, yeah, it's true. You know, um, yeah, I don't think they're very bee friendly. No. So I'm thinking that perhaps, I know scarlet runner beans are friendly to bees and hummingbirds, 
So I'm thinking those might actually go around the arbor. But then we also have the, the castle refurbishments that need to happen. Well, yeah, but that's not, I mean, that's not bee friendly or not bee friendly. That's no, just castle refurbishments. But it so. takes time and energy and, and resources to do all the different things. And I'm trying to get the structures to the point where then I just tend the plants instead of tending the structures as well. Well, think of it as a two-part or three-part um, yeah. building summer. Yeah. You have your spring where you get everything moving again. And then in the case, uh, you could plant the the sod and the or, or, or grass or whatever we're going to do. And then you can also plant your passion flower and you can, passion, you can do the beans and we can get the trellis completed in the back. And that's stage one. Stage two is probably going to be, you know, after the graduation and after, you know, all that stuff and relatives are gone, then you've got the kind of July time frame that we would build the build the um, uh, castles and stuff for the for the ducks and that because the weather would be consistent mm -hmm. and we, you know, it'd be fine. There's not going to be rain pretty much and we'd be able to do what we need. And then we have that, then you have the fall where everything starts cooling down and things turn over and switch and we might have to replace more grass. <laughs> you know, yeah. You know. It could be resodding yet again. Yes, yet again. Uh, that is one of the challenges of having a goose. If it was just ducks and chickens, I wouldn't really need grass. I could... I could have like wood chip paths and things like that that I didn't don't care as much if they mess them up because you just rake it back. It's all good. But Annie needs to eat the grass. And I'm not going to go out and buy other people's cut grass to feed her. That's silly. Well, and not only that, but <laughs> it wouldn't last very long and it wouldn't be, right. you know, she likes to pull. And that's yeah, she that, loves pulling, her, pulling the know, grass. And, um, we might have to keep a, a path of grass in the front yard just for her so that when she goes out in the front, she can go right down the, yeah. the path and pull her grass that she needs. And yep. I mean, honestly, if, if we gave her that kind of access all the time, um, we wouldn't necessarily have to have a backyard full of grass. Right. True. So, True. Um, that might be something to consider. Uh, but, you know, one of the things that, that we were talking with, um, with Don was, you know, getting the right mix and when when Sue we recorded this with with Sue, and she was talking about um, the you know, invasive species, and I thought that was interesting too. That Don came back with, well, you know, the bee we use is invasive too. I mean, that yeah, came from Europe. That's true. I think you know, invasive species. I'm kind of wishy-washy on it because through the through the entire time of 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 man's quote unquote settlement of Mm -hmm. the earth we've been bringing plants everywhere we've yeah been, and know, we're not the only species that carries plants all right. over the place i mean you know. there are plants and i can't remember which ones they were but there are plants that have been carried across the oceans by birds right so it's so kind of are life we, and you are know. We mad at the birds for cross-pollinating right you know <laughs> so i think that when she said that i i i, I respect it uh and I wouldn't go out of my way to plant something that, you know, kudzu. I probably wouldn't go out and plant a kudzu plant in our yard. Well, even if you did, it's not likely to survive the winters in our yards. So. No, but you understand. I was just giving but an example. But if I'm a little like South Calif Southern California, I probably wouldn't be planting kudzu. No. That's dangerous. Right. And so know what's going to happen. I mean, I think you had made the... the um, comment that you know spearmint's not native to our area but it grows beautifully and yeah. you know and in fact there's mint farms here in the valley yes. that's what they specialize in you know they're growing yeah. mint 
So that wasn't native either, but yeah, you know, or the entire grass industry was that was that native? Too? <laughs> was so Kentucky much. blue here too? I mean, you know, yeah. I don't know. It's just, um, but finding the the best way to to help with with propagating, uh, you know, bees. So the other thing too is if you think about it, it's not just about the bee garden. It's about making sure that there are pollinators. Yeah, if you can't plant the garden or make a you know a potted garden on your on your patio at your apartment think about volunteering at a, at a place that 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 fosters beekeeping or uh, donate to um, certain organizations that that are trying to you know prevent colony collapse and coming up with different ways to uh, allow bees to rest and to not have them being pollinating every day of the year uh, which is also a real problem for them or having them to have to pollinate one crop. Uh, you know, there's been many times, I've just read a story this, um, two weeks ago about a beekeeper in Arizona that the only way he stayed afloat was to pollinate almonds in California farms. Mm-hmm. And what was happening is that they would do that and they would come back and he would he could lose 30 to 40% of his of his hives doing mm-hmm. that. But it was so worth it was the, to keep himself in business. It was worth doing that, and that loss became part of it. But now he's getting to the point now where he says we have to do something. And yeah. the almond board isn't ignorant in this fact. They, they have these. You know, they are now telling all of their members of that of that um, um, society, if you will, gly- glyphosate-free um, um, fertilizers. No more of this. No more of that. To the reality you know, is, we should probably all across all of our nation right. be saying well, no I agree. to those fertilizers because if they're damaging to bees there, they're damaging to bees everywhere. everywhere. And if the bees aren't doing their job, we aren't going to survive long. Yeah, we're not. Yeah, you mean global warming <laughs> aside, and and you know all that, we're 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 going to have a problem because our food supply is going to be an issue, and we yeah. have. We have what, at the turn of um, nineteen, at the turn of the nineteenth century, the twentieth century, I think we had a billion and a half people worldwide. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that was what it was. Um, yeah. Now we're at six, maybe seven billion. Yeah, and there doesn't seem to be any sign of stopping. So within a hundred years, we've we increased our population six, seven times. God, can you imagine a hundred years from now, fourteen billion people on this planet? It wouldn't even be fourteen billion. It would be six or seven times what we have now. If you well, look at that, well, even if you just yeah, well, you it know. just sounds really crowded. Well, and and, and without and, bees doing their job, we've got a serious problem. Well, not only that, but if you give that kind of crowding, you're going to have the you know the 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 disease in these mega cities. I mean, yeah. mega cities develop, right? You right. know, so it's just. It, it's very dystopian when you think about it. So let's you know, make sure that we've got the bees taken care of. Yeah, let's go back to how we're going to plant more plants for the bees. Right. I think that if you have any growing space that you have that you, that you, that's available, whether that's, like I said, pots on a patio, a yard, um, whatever it is, you know, even if you like, I love my grass and I want to have a grass yard, you know, there's nothing wrong with having a corner of that yard, you know, like kind of, you know, uh, with some timbers and stuff and yeah, you know, do a little pollinator a little... garden. Yeah. You know, something that the bees are attracted to. Mm-hmm. You know, leave the rest of your lawn alone. If that's what you really want, you really want to have that, yeah. think about how you can do that. And if everybody just does that a little bit, you know, that little of, uh, effort every day makes big, big changes. Yeah. I wish that we would start, instead of the monoculture grass lawns, that we would go back to what they were doing like 100 years ago, which was... Yeah, you have a lot of grass, but you also have like lawn daisies and 
those little white clovers and you know other yeah. little little plants that uh, have little flowers and they make the yard look so much prettier I think you know your lawn does not have to be a golf course it can have yeah. different things on it and it's just better for your lawn it's better for your dirt yeah. you know if you have a more of a varied um, plant uh, families in in your in your lawn it's going to help your your lawn your your nitrogen yeah. levels and all that stuff instead of always having to spread this fertilizer and that's fertilizer to basically grow this perfect grass that no one really enjoys i mean i never see people out there yeah. on the grass laying in the grass playing in the grass right. the only people i ever see do that are the kids mm -hmm. mom and dad are on the ground playing i mean okay and typically i don't want everyone that? to write in and say well i play in the grass okay fine but but mostly they don't no and most of them at least in our area they collect at the school playgrounds or the playgrounds yeah. to co to play you know or you the don't, patio you don't you don't usually drive along town and see kids in the front yard playing no. in those pristine no. grass not at all not at all yeah so it's a cultural thing i think it we is. have to figure that out we have to get away from that um 50s suburban i miss layout. i miss the reason i miss the little flowers in the lawn is that there was a certain elegance about it that it was like i don't know how to put it it was it's romantic i guess that's hmm. you know you go along and you see and it's the field of green with the little dots of all these little flowers and you can think about Ooh, the little flower. What if it's the little miniature world, like a bonsai tree and all of that? But then you think about the big expanse at the same time. And right. It was much better for the imagination. I like Flat that. green is dull. It's carpet. Yeah, it's all exactly. It comes as carpet. And while carpet might be great inside, outside, yeah, that's lame. Not so much so. Yeah. So anyway. All right. So grow, grow bee farms, support the bees financially or by just planting some plants. Mm-hmm. All right. And help me with my campaign for more bee plants in my own yard. You don't have to help <laughs> her. I'm already on board. As always. No, 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 no. Oh, have, that's right. No, no, no. <gasps> oh. There's herbs in the news. Herbs in the news. I forgot about your news article. I know. Patrick came up with an interesting news article. Right. So this article was published. This is about the beginning of January of this year. Um, and sometimes we have to wait for things, but this was on um, forwomenfirst.com. Which I found first, it fascinating. No, Firstforwomen.com. First for yeah, I found it there fascinating that that's one of the journals you were perusing. I know, right? Yeah. Um, this came up on one of my news feeds that I, that I get from, a, from an app on my phone. And it's basically about cloves, but the title of the article is Detoxify Your Liver, Lower Blood Sugar, and Fight Cancer with Cloves. Well, that sounds like a miracle herb if I ever heard one. I know. It sure does, doesn't it? Right. So what is the main constituent, Candace, that be, that they believe is the is the thing that, that makes clove so awesome? One of the things they, they were talking about in the a lot in the article was eugenol, which is a chemical that's available in an awful lot of other plants as well. Um, yeah, that's a pretty potent antioxidant. Yeah. yeah in fact, I've, I've been thinking about doing a chemistry article on it. I haven't yet, but I'm thinking maybe in March I'll get that done. Okay. Um, um, I, I, I mean, we've, we've used cloves in cooking for, for years. I mean, in fact, I've also used it medicinally. I think you, didn't you have to have a clove pack when you had your wisdom teeth? Pulled? Oh yeah. <laughs> so we go in, Patrick and I both went in to get our wisdom teeth done within just a matter of like what, a week or two of each other. 
I had one tooth to extract. He had four to extract. He had all four done at once. I had my one tooth done at once. <laughs> my uh -huh. one tooth came out, and they said, here's the painkillers. Take this for the next two days. You should start seeing, you know, within a week, you should start seeing less pain. This is the really, like, the really high-end painkiller stuff. So they only give you, like, enough for literally two days, and that's it. So I take my two days' worth. Patrick got the same stuff. He takes his, I think he only took one day's worth. But he did, he did his second. And right. So, you know, he takes his one day. I take my two days, and I'm like, well, it still hurts, but, you know, I've had migraines. This is sucks, but, you know, it shouldn't, it should be okay. So I go through the rest of the week. It's still hurting really bad, you know. Now I'm like at five or six days after the surgery. Mm -hmm. And I call them up. I'm like, well, how much, when you said if it still hurts really bad, how much is really bad? How do I know? This was like all before they started doing all that pain, pain numbers, scale. pain yeah. scale things. So they're like, well, you know, we talk a little bit. And they're like, well, maybe you should come in. We'll take a look at it. Meanwhile, you know, Patrick, when he had his done, you know, four, four days later, he's eating popcorn. I'm like, what are you doing? But he's like, no, I'm fine. <laughs> I go in on day seven and they're like, wow, you've got dry socket. You should have come in sooner. Why didn't you come in sooner? I said, well, you didn't explain. You didn't tell me. I didn't know. How am I supposed to know? I took some aspirin, you know, or whatever right. it was I took. Right. And they're like, no, this is really bad. You need to get, you know, we're going to, we can, we can do this, this natural solution. So I'm like, okay, great. What is that? They had this long strip of gauze. It was like 16 feet of gauze, I swear. It was this really long strip of gauze. And it was super thin. It was like the width of like one of those really skinny little ribbons. It was this tiny little stuff and they packed it into my into the socket and I they kept packing and I'm like there can't you can't fit more feet of this in there this is ridiculous it's just a tiny spot mm -hmm. which was kind of creepy when you think about right. it now this gauze strip was soaked in clove oil mm. and so for the next I think it was three days before they they packed it a second time three days later so for three days my mouth tasted like clove <laughs> and it was strangely soothing and mm. I liked it and you liked I have to admit I liked, liked it and it, it, like the pain was gone, within five minutes of them getting done, the pain began to vanish. I was really amazed. I find it interesting that a lot of the cultures that have used or use cloves, because mm -hmm. they know these things, like you know, like the dentists yeah. or whatever, but but they know these things. It seems like innately they know that it does, you know, does this stuff um, for sugar. It does this stuff for your liver. It does this stuff for yeah. your stomach. All these things that you know, just over a course of you know what they do. I'm specifically thinking like Indian cooking, which uses a lot of cloves. Yeah. Um, but they had this idea that okay, it does it easier. We don't. You know, we we feel good. We do these things. This is what we eat, and 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 we're healthy. Mm -hmm. And. With this article, I, I found it interesting that everything that they were trying to prove or say it does was based on animal studies. Right. And you not, had a you not had, human right, studies. And a, yeah. Right. And you had a, a comment. I have, before we started. I have a frustration with that. Animals are not all the same. The, you can give me, like, I might be able to take a certain herb, but I can't give it to my cat. It may not be good for my dog. And who knows if it's good for the mice or rats living in my area. Just because an animal. An animal, some animal can use this herb effectively right. for this reason. Doesn't mean all animals can. Mm -hmm. And it definitely doesn't mean humans can. So when people are using animal studies as a justification or a proof that something works or this is what 
what you should do, I seriously question the wisdom in that. I don't think that's an intelligent way to look at it. I don't think we should be testing on animals in general, but yeah. definitely not as a proof that something works. I yeah. do, however, look at animal studies as potentially a little bit having a little more credibility when what they're actually doing is trying to explain why a traditional use that has been working for you know hundreds of thousands of years or however long is is being you know like for instance in the case of the clove chai masala or chai spice blend there's like three core herbs that are in almost all of them right and have been in almost all chais for you know an awfully long time, and that those are clove, ginger, and cardamom. Ginger, ginger heats up the digestive system or gets the fire moving and, and helps re- mm-hmm. reduce inflammation in the intestinal walls and all of that stuff. So it's, you know, ginger's for firing it up. Cardamom helps the encourage the peristalsis or the muscle contractions that moves food along. So it helps keep the digestive tract moving and not mm-hmm. let it slow down. And the idea of clove potentially being in there because it helps manage blood blood sugar levels and insulin makes a lot of sense. Right. So when you put the three together, there's your basic, you know, after dinner or high, you know, afternoon tea blend mm-hmm. that makes sense, you know? Right. So to say, oh, well, now we've done some animal studies that say these are the chemicals that are acting in those cases and that could be helpful for these conditions, I can say, okay, well, yeah, because, you know, traditional Ayurvedic use of clove already says clove is good for those conditions. So now you've also got science saying, yeah, we agree. We do it too. We can see, we can see why. Right. Then right. I think an animal study may be actually viable. It may make sense. Sure. Well, remember that active ingredient, eugenol. Don't run out and get eugenol supplements now and, and no. try to focus on that. Because <laughs> like anything else, too much of a good thing all by its lonesome is going to probably be bad for you. Um, the eugenol that's in cloves is around other parts of that plant. So it's there plants. to help buffer everything around it. Yeah, so. yeah. And there's a whole lot of other herbs that have eugenol. Right. Yeah. And the cloves isn't the only one, of course. But, yeah. but um, so anyway, take a look at that article, firstforwomen.com. Uh, and that was uh, just do a search, I'm sure, on uh, detoxify your liver. And I'm, that will pop up um, with that. So that was Herbs and News. All right. So, yeah. guess Candace, guess what? Now, now can we say it? See, now we can say it. <gasps> Put, Put an herb on, on it. The statements made about herbs and products on this podcast have not been evaluated by the United States Food and Drug Administration, FDA, and are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. All information provided on this podcast or any affiliated websites is for informational purposes only and is not intended as a substitute for advice from your physician or other healthcare professional. You should not use the information on this podcast and its affiliated websites for a diagnosis or treatment of any health problem. Always consult with healthcare professional before starting any new vitamins, supplements, diet, or exercise program before taking any medication or if you have or suspect you might have a health problem. Any testimonials, questions, or case studies are based on individual results and do not constitute a guarantee that you will achieve the same results.